Hey guys, what's going on? This is Colby Patnode here with a little bit of a different podcast episode. It's Friday, and typically on Fridays, Ty and myself would be on YouTube right now, live streaming. Unfortunately, Ty had something come up. He was unavailable to live stream, and instead of live streaming myself, I decided to record this quick podcast. It's going to be free to everybody. It'll go up on our Patreon, but it's also going to be uploaded to Spotify and Anchor FM. And I just thought it would be a nice little, uh, let's call it a test balloon to see how this works out for us. If you guys are unaware, we have started uploading small snippets from our from our Patreon episodes onto Spotify via Anchor FM. We want to be on as many platforms as possible. We're trying to grow our Patreon family so we can do more cool things for you guys. If you're listening to this and you're not yet a member of our Patreon You can become a Tier 1 patron for $3 a month. That will get you access to our weekly podcast, which we record every Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday. And we do that every single week. So for $3, you'll get four podcasts guaranteed. For $5 a month, our Tier 2 patrons, they get a bonus podcast every week. That'll take you uh, eight podcasts in a month at minimum. You'll also get full access to our updated prospect ranks. We do a top 60 here at Control the Zone. That sounds like something that interests you guys. Look in the description. There will be a link there. All right. So for today's show, uh, we are going to talk a little bit about where the Mariners stand in their playoff race. It's not looking good. Uh, But we're also going to do a quick check back in with the draft order to see where the Mariners currently sit. Um, We're also going to go ahead and answer a couple of questions we got here via Twitter. Jackson Dietz wants us to talk about our top offseason targets and a brief offseason plan. I'll give you some names there, Jackson, to be straight up with you, but an offseason plan is a big part of what we're planning to do with the website, and that's going to be something that our patrons will get access to before anybody else. So I can't give you our full offseason plan, also because I haven't really written it yet. So, uh, But that is definitely something that we will do for the website. And I'll start you off with a couple of names that are at least on my list. And we'll see if they're actually in the offseason plan. Uh, Jordan also checked in with a question. He wants to know what are my top five under-the-radar Jerry DePoto moves. And then there's kind of a fun question that I'm going to take a different turn on that Jordan also sent in. Uh, he wants me to rank my top five Taylor Swift albums, and we'll get to that at the very end. But uh, let's go ahead. Let's start with where the Mariners' playoff chances are. And uh, it absolutely took a hit. There's really no no two ways around it here. Uh, the Mariners got swept in a two-game series in San Francisco. They also lost the last game of the doubleheader against Oakland, so they are on a three-game skid. Meanwhile, Houston has won two of the, their last three games. They now have a three-game lead in the standings, and really it's a four-game lead because Houston has the tiebreaker over you. So the Mariners are four back, realistically, with ten to play. It's not looking good. You know, you still have three games against Houston, so you're not mathematically eliminated yet. But the three-game losing streak was just not something you can do. And now you have to go into San Diego on the road and face two of their three best pitchers. Things aren't looking great for the Mariners, but it's they're not out of it yet. But since they've lost three in a row, I was kind of curious, you know, where do they sit in terms of draft order, which is what we've been tracking most of the year. But for the last two weeks or so, we've been focused on the playoff race because they were in it. So I have the draft order pulled up right in front of me right now. Currently, the Mariners hold the 10th pick in the 2021 MLB draft. 
if, of course, this is a big if, if Major League Baseball just uses the worst records from 2021, or sorry, from 2020. We don't know exactly how they're going to do that. There's some talk that they might do a lottery. They may combine the 2019 records with the 2020 records. It's still all up in the air. Hopefully we know the answer to that, you know, sometime relatively soon, but it doesn't sound like they're ready to announce anything. But if they're just using the 2020 standings, the Mariners would pick 10th. They're a half game back of Baltimore to pick 9th. And this is interesting. Now, they're six and a half games back of that first pick. They're not catching Pittsburgh. They're four games back of Texas for the second overall pick. Probably not catching Texas. You guys have seen how awful they are. And Texas has to play Houston a lot. Boston and Arizona, they are both three and a half games ahead of Seattle. That's probably not likely. But after that, you can kind of – I think it's possible for the Mariners to get as high as number five. They are two and a half games back of Washington. They are a game and a half back of L.A. They are one game back of Kansas City. And they're a half game back of both Baltimore and Detroit. So um, it would not be out of the question with the Mariners' tough schedule to see them jump all the way up to fifth. Currently they sit 10th. And I think ultimately they'll probably settle right around seven would be my guess. But we'll see what happens there. But they are basically they're three and a half or they're two and a half games back of a top five pick. They are three games back of a tie with Houston which does nothing, so they're really four games back of Houston. So, um, you know, do whatever you want with that information. It's not really my decision to uh, tell you whether you should be rooting for them to win or lose. Uh, that's that's really your call. So that's where we're at with the standings. Uh, let's go ahead. Let's jump into a few of these questions here. Um, we'll start with Jackson, uh, at Dietz Jackson with an X on Twitter. Uh, simply ask for top offseason targets and a brief offseason plan. Well, as I mentioned, I'm not going to divulge an entire plan here on a free podcast. That's something that our patrons pay to uh, to hear. So uh, I can't give you our full plan. Also, I can't do it because we haven't finished it yet, and we're still in the process of looking at guys, and we haven't even dis- we haven't even shared targets yet. So I can only give you a few of the guys on my off season list, and I can't give you a full off season plan because I don't we don't have it yet. So <clears throat> let's take a look. I, I got three guys here that. Uh, I'm willing to kind of leak out there as guys that I'm considering uh, adding to my portion of the offseason plan. And uh, number one on that list, uh, or at least I'm, the list I'm going to share today at least, Tyler Chatwood. You guys may know Tyler Chatwood. 5'11", 200 pounds, turns 31 years old this winter, pitched for the last three years for the Chicago Cubs, and he's been mediocre for the Cubs. Um, You know, he's definitely had some bright spots here. Uh, He is unfortunately on the IL and he's likely out for the rest of the year. I say unfortunately because he was actually uh, posting some uh, pretty exciting numbers in five games this year. Uh, He had a uh, two and two record with 18.2 innings pitched, but 25 strikeouts in those, you know, 18 innings. Um, it's it's been it's been a, a struggle for him in Chicago as well. Uh, whips of one eight zero, one three three, and one six six. It's the guy ERAs of five three zero, three seven six, five three zero, 
again this year or so. He hasn't been that good. Um, struggles with the home run ball. He also struggles with walks. And on the surface, that's not a very Jerry DePoto-esque pitcher. But obviously, I have my reasons for liking him if I put him or if I'm planning on putting him in my offseason plan. And, you know, that reason is the fastball. Tyler Chatwood has an insane fastball spin rate. It ranks in the 97th percentile. And we know how much the Mariners love their spin rates on fastballs. It's anytime they acquire somebody, you, anytime they acquire a reliever, check to see what the fastball spin rate is. And there's a decent chance that the guy has a pretty high, uh, ranks pretty high in that particular category. Um, Chatwood also has a really good curveball. It's 96 percentile on the spin rate. Uh, he's fairly athletic. He has a cutter, which we know the Mariners also love. He can pitch out of the bullpen or in the rotation. And he's probably going to be looking for a one-year deal to kind of re rebuild some value here. Um, this depends heavily on whether or not he is healthy. Uh, if he's not healthy and he's going to miss time in 2021, it's probably not much of a reason for a team like the Mariners to sign him. Um, but if they think he's healthy, the fastball spin rate, high fastball spin rate, 94 to 96 on that pitch with a cutter that's in the 90 to 92 range and a pretty good curveball, a usable changeup. There's some there's some interesting tools here with Tyler Chatwood. So that's why he's one of my potential targets. Uh, I, I, I like the stuff, and I think the Mariners can get something out of him. Uh, it might be a, you know, a sign-and-trade type of situation, uh, but it's definitely something that the Mariners should consider, assuming he's healthy. All right, so uh, next up, I will give you the name that Mariners fans might be familiar with, Taylor Hearn of the Texas Rangers, 6'6", 230, left-handed pitcher, 26 years old. You guys might remember him. He made his Major League debut against the Mariners last year, and he couldn't throw strikes. He didn't last long in his Major League debut. Um, the Rangers have moved him back to the bullpen, and the stuff is still interesting here. 11 games this year, 13 innings, 18 strikeouts, a 1-6-2 whip, 11 game, uh, 4-8-5 ERA. So not great. But he's a lefty who sits 95 to 97. He's got a slider. He's got a changeup. He's also been toying with a sinker this year. He's got a starter's repertoire, a starter's build. And I don't know that I would absolutely give up on him as a starter. He's 26 years old, so sending him back to the minors to kind of reintroduce himself as a starter might be out of the question here, but again, left-handed pitcher who throws 96, I'm interested. The fastball's been his best pitch this year. Opponents are hitting just 226 on it. They're slugging just 323. Uh, and he gets whiffs on that pitch 34% of the time. That's a really good pitch, the fastball. Uh, he throws a slider. That's kind of his, the pitch he's using as a secondary pitch. But it only has a 15.4% a, uh, whiff rate. And opponents are touching it up a little bit here. They're slugging 556 off the pitch. Only hitting 222, which suggests to me that it's just poor command of the pitch. That is why Hearn is getting hit hard with that. Um, he's just missing his spot. Um, I think personally Hearn should use his changeup a bit more. It's you know It's been a pretty good pitch. He's only used it... 
a handful of times. Only 27 p- times he's used his changeup this year. That's only a nine per- only a 10 percent uh, usage rate. But it's not. But it's 85 miles an hour. So it has that eight to 10 mile per hour difference you're looking for in velocity with his fastball. Opponents right now they're hitting 400 with a 600 slugging percentage. But here's the here's the thing. 30 percent whiff rate on the changeup. So, similar to the slider here, it appears to be a pretty good pitch when it's properly spotted. He's just, Hearn's just not spotting it right now. So, Taylor Hearn, to me, is a guy, I get a lefty who throws 96 at the very least. That's the worst that he is. He's going to miss bats. That's a pretty good guy to take a chance on. There's a possibility that he can still start. The slider is a pretty solid offering. I'd say it's probably about league average. And I think the changeup shows real promise. So there's a potential here to get a left-handed pitcher who throws 96 miles an hour that could have, you know, three above-average pitches at 26 years old. I mean, yeah, that's that's a guy I'm interested in. The one thing that kind of holds Hearn back a little bit, in my mind, uh, from being an obvious target here, fastball spin rate, just average, league average, 49th percentile. So nothing special there, but I, I like the the pitch mix that Taylor Hearn has. I like that he can start. I like that he's got the frame to start. He throws hard. I I think there's something here with Taylor Hearn, and I think like we've seen the Mariners do with Austin Adams and Connor Sadzik, um, I think this is a guy that the Mariners might be able to get into the strike zone enough to make the secondaries really play here. So I'm I'm very interested in Taylor Hearn. We'll see if the Rangers are willing to trade him. All right, last guy on my list that I'm going to talk about today, at least, uh, Luke Weaver. You guys saw him pitch against the Mariners a couple days ago. Plays for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, You know, right off the front, the thing that jumps out about him, fastball spin rate, 85th percentile. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's Mariner-esque. Fastball velocity, 94 miles per hour on the heater. 85-mile-an-hour changeup. He's got a cutter. Again, the Mariners love cutters. He also has a curveball as well. Uh, not a not a good year for him at all. Uh, he is 1-7 with a 6-7-0 ERA in 10 starts, but 44 strikeouts and 41.2 innings pitched. He was a lot better last year than he was this year. Uh, last year he had a 107 whip with a 2-9-4 ERA. Now, granted, that's in only 12 starts, 64 innings. But throughout his career, we have 340 innings of data here, 467 ERA, a 140 whip. Uh, we have the fastball spin rate, which is really high. There's something here with, with Luke Weaver. A few of the issues with him, he's 27 years old. He's going to be arbitration eligible for the first time. Uh, this this offseason. So you only have him for three years. Uh, he's not a clear upgrade over... I mean, he's he's definitely not a clear upgrade over Kikuchi, Marco Gonzalez, and Justice Sheffield at this point. Uh, and the question becomes, do you want to acquire Luke Weaver to potentially block Nick Markavages, Logan Gilbert, um, Justin Dunn. Do you want to pull the trigger on Justin Dunn so early? But, like I said, Weaver's got two minor league options left. He does a pretty good job of missing bats. High fastball spin rate. Average 9.5 strikeouts per nine this year. 
which is right in line with what he did last year, 9.65. The big difference between this year and last year is that he has better he had better control last year. 1.96 walks per nine. This year that's up to 3.67. The exit velocity, average exit velocity is roughly the same. There's no major difference there. Um, Weaver to me is kind of a classic number four with number three upside. I think there's a chance that that, that comes at a discount this year since he's been so bad. Arizona, you never really know if they're rebuilding or if they're trying to stay competitive. We don't know. But again, he's going to start making money this year. I think they can get something decent for him. Weaver is a former first-round pick with high spin rate, fastball, the ability to miss bats, and he's coming off a bad season despite being a proven player. I mean, the guy, if you look at his last last three seasons, not counting 2020, 1.4 F4, 1.3, 1.8. He's never pitched more than 136 innings. This is a guy who, if he gives you 30 starts, you know, and he gives you 180 innings, he's probably a two-and-a-half win pitcher. Now, that's not, you know, exciting, but it's not bad. So Luke Weaver's a guy that I'm interested in. So there are uh, three guys I just gave you right there. Tyler Chatwood, Taylor Hearn, Luke Weaver. Three guys I'm interested in, and I think the Mariners might be interested in, but we'll wait and see there. Um, as for, you know, general offseason strategy or, you know, plan in general, for me, I can tell you my plan is to raise the floor. Um, you know, I, I think a couple investments in the bullpen is something nice. I think maybe getting that, you know, mid-rotation arm to kind of stabilize things. I think that's I think that's what I'm looking to do this offseason if I'm the Mariners. Um, you know, there will be some who, with expanded playoffs, they want you to go out and, and sign Trevor Bauer or, you know, Jake Odorizzi or whoever. Um, of course, there will be those who demand that the Mariners sign JT Realmuto. That's just not going to happen. Uh, those big, splashy free agent signings, I don't think that's going to happen this year. I'm not really you know organizing my plan for that to happen but we'll see you never know with the mariners uh they think they can go for it next year then more power to them um me for me it's more about can we take this team from a probable 67 win team 68 win team to a 75 win team can we be competitive take a jump up in you know in our team's skills and really set ourselves up nicely for the trade deadline of 2021 and also the offseason of 2021 to where hopefully we're talking about, hey, they go into next winter, not this upcoming winter, but the next winter, and they're going to add a couple of key pieces here, and now all of a sudden the 77-win Mariners are the 90-win Mariners. That's totally possible, but I think you have to start that momentum this offseason. So for me, it's all about raising the floor not so much the ceiling right now. All right, thanks for the question, Jackson. Um, again, a much more detailed off-season plan, including off-season strategy, trade targets, free agent ideas, all that is going to come out on our website. Our patrons will get first crack at that probably about a week before we release it on the website, maybe two. And we're planning on releasing those sometime around the start of the LCSs. Um, but... We'll have to see how things uh, work out. Obviously, 
these things change and they kind of have a moving t uh, time clock. So thanks for the question, Jackson. Let's get to Jordan's first question here. Uh, Jordan wants to know what are my top five under the radar Jerry DePoto moves. Now, I, I don't have like, I don't have a list of, you know, one through five. Uh, this is definitively the best Jerry DePoto under the radar move. Uh, but I do have five players that Jerry DePoto has acquired that I think get overlooked. And they're not in any particular order, but just for the sake of drama, I'll go ahead and I'll read them back from five to one. Um, so let's start with a guy recently acquired by the Mariners, Luis Torrens. Now, Torrens is part of a bigger trade that is not an under-the-radar move. But Torrens himself was kind of the fourth guy, really the seventh guy in that tr in that seven-man trade that people were interested in talking about. But this can't really be understated. It is hard to find quality MLB-level catching right now, whether that's backup catcher, whether that's a starting catcher. It does not matter. It is hard to find quality catching in professional baseball. Think of all the teams that don't even have a good catcher. One. The Mariners, for pretty much the last two years, have had two good catchers on their roster at all times. And for large chunks of the last two years, have had three quality catchers. Um, so DePoto has had this knack for finding these catchers. And Luis Torrens looks like a good one. Defensively, he still has some work to do, but the athleticism's there. He's going to be an above-average pitch frame where he's got a strong arm. Uh, he's good at blocking, right? He's learning pitchers right now, so that'll improve as well. Um, Trends also looks like he can hit a little bit. Uh, we saw this in the minors. He has good bat-to-ball skills. He's not going to strike out. He's probably not going to draw a ton of walks, but he's going to put the ball in play. He's got some pop. Uh, I, I think there's a, a pretty high floor here. I think Torrens is, at worst, a, a strong backup catcher. But at 24 years old, with the offensive profile that we see and the athleticism to improve as a catcher, Torrens is a guy that I could see being an everyday catcher. And DePoto got him, I don't want to say as a throw-in, but, you know, when we talk about that trade... We talk about Taylor Trammell, and we talk about Ty France, and we talk about Andres Munoz and how great he's going to be when he's healthy. And then we kind of mention uh, Luis Torrens. But finding catching is really hard to do. And Jerry's proven to be pretty good at it. You look at Austin Nola, now you look at Torrens, you look at Tom Murphy, who he got off the scrap heap, you look at Omar Narvaez. Jerry's found some pretty good catchers over the last, you know, 18 months to two years and I think he may have hit a home run with Terence here at the end of the day this trade is still going to be judged based on what Taylor Trammell brings to the Mariners and whether or not Ty France hits enough um, but Luis Terence is not a is not to be considered an afterthought in this trade or at least he shouldn't be so Luis Terence makes the list for me at number five number four let's talk about Mike Leake um I know nobody's wowed by Mike Leake, and there's obvious reasons for that. The guy is about as straightforward as a number four starter as you can get in this league. He throws strikes, doesn't strike guys out, gets a ton of ground balls, 
He's athletic. He knows how to pitch. He doesn't have overpowering stuff. He's just a guy, you know. But Jerry DePoto got him. Do you even remember who the Mariners gave up to get Mike Leak? Raider Escanio. I don't even know if that guy's still with the Cardinals organization. And what he got from Mike Leak was what? A year and a half? Almost two full years of quality major league innings eating starting pitcher. There's nothing wrong with what Mike Leak did in Seattle. He was he was good. He was Mike Leak, right? I mean, there's really no other way to look at it. When he was with the Seattle Mariners, Mike Leak was Mike Leak. Even won a gold glove while he was here. Um, kind of. But Mike Leak was a quality innings eating number four starter. And he was that for 2017, 2018, and ha- and more than half of 2019. Um, really helped stabilize you in a playoff race. The guy, he was he was just good. Seattle in three years, a 4.16 ERA, a 1.26 FIP. Um, you know, 354 innings and 58 starts. Mike Leak was rock solid. He was exactly what you needed, and for the price that DePoto paid to get an innings-eating number four starter for what basically amounts to two full years of starts. It's impressive. And DePoto, because Leak wasn't otherworldly and because DePoto made all these other fancy trades, uh, that one kind of gets overlooked. And it's not even DePoto's best trade with the Cardinals, right? We know that. Marco for... Or uh, sorry, uh, Tyler O'Neill for Marco Gonzalez. That's a home run. This trade wasn't a home run per se, but it was a double, a strong double. Mike Leak was good for Seattle, and it's you know it's it's he's a guy who's overlooked as a cheap but really good acquisition by Jerry Depoto. All right, so let's move on to number three. Let's talk a little bit about Austin Adams who the Mariners acquired for, I believe, $70,000, and Nick Wells. Nick Wells is a 24-year-old left-handed pitcher who can't get above high A ball. The Mariners gave up nothing for Austin Adams. What they got out of Austin Adams is they got about 30 innings of, you know, borderline elite setup man type of production from the guy. Um, You know, Twenty-nine. He made twenty-nine appearances for the Mariners, three-seven-seven ERA, but a fourteen-point-eight K per nine, a two-point-nine-six FIP, and a one-point-zero-nine-seven WHIP. They got that guy for free, and he was so good in twenty nineteen that the Mariners were able to include him in a trade. That netted them a top 60 prospect, a potential everyday starting catcher, a potential everyday bat, position unknown, and a re- eventual replacement for Austin Adams. By the way, Austin Adams hasn't thrown a pitch this year. He tore his ACL late last year. So the Mariners got an injured Austin Adams, 29 games, and they flipped him in part of, in as a big part as one of the biggest deals Jerry Depoto's ever made. That's pretty good value. 
And if Austin Adams was still around, there's a decent chance he's part of your future. They got five. They were going to get six years of Austin Adams for seventy thousand dollars and Nick Wells. Home run, absolute home run. Jerry doesn't get enough credit for that. It was a great trade. And you notice that all of these are trades. Very fitting. Well, actually, not all of them. One of them isn't. And that's the one we're going to talk about next right here. How about Dylan Moore? Dylan Moore was a 26-year-old journeyman, you know, minor leaguer. Really, at the end of the day, that's what he was. He had some interesting tools, but nothing to really suggest that he could get to those tools. Uh, he toiled away in the minors from 2015 till 2018. He was became a minor league free agent. He had one great year in AAA as a 25-year-old. He had 299, 363, 522, 14 home runs, 23 steals. And the Seattle Mariners gave him a major league contract. They Remember, they didn't sign Dylan Moore as a minor league free agent. They gave him a, I mean, not a guaranteed roster spot, but essentially they signed him with the idea that you're absolutely going to be on our opening day roster. Nobody else in baseball was willing to do that. In return, Dylan Moore has played in 144 games for the Mariners, or sorry, 147 games, 226, 322, 426, 16 home runs, 22 stolen bases. That doesn't sound like much, but consider what we've seen from Dylan Moore this year. 34 games, 266, 359, 500, 11 stolen bases, 7 home runs, 8 doubles, 15 RBI, 11 walks. He's played left field, right field, center field, second base, first base, third base, shortstop, and DH'd this year. Last year, he played all nine. Posi- he played eight of the nine positions. Just didn't play catcher. Dylan Moore has appeared at every single position for the Seattle Mariners in 147 games, except for catcher. And this year, he's been one of your best players. We've seen serious development out of him. We know he's a good base runner. He's put up 1.5 WAR this year. B WAR. 1.5. He's not arbitration eligible until after next season. He has two options left. He can play every position, and he's pretty good at most of them. Probably eliminate center field, but uh, he can handle the corner outfield spots just fine. He's pretty good out there. Pretty good at second, pretty good at third, can handle shortstop. He's a good player. He's 27 years old. Or sorry, he just turned 28 last month. The Mariners got him for the league minimum. And they've already extracted 1.5 war out of him in what amounts to roughly two-thirds of a full season. 424 plate appearances, full season, typically about 600 plate appearances. So at a 600 plate appearance mark, Dylan Moore has been worth roughly two and a half wins. 
They got him for nothing. The guy's making $550,000 this year prorated. He's probably going to make 750000 next year at the most. DePoto found him, or somebody in his front office found him. DePoto signed him. DePoto saw what Dylan Moore had to offer. They hung with him through some really bad slumps last year. Started to see it pay off towards the end of the year. He comes up this year. He's kind of behind Tim Lopes, but he's not anymore. Dylan Moore has played himself to a spot where we might be talking about him as the everyday second baseman next year. So Dylan Moore, definitely one of DePoto's best finds and definitely an underrated add. Um, We'll see. We will learn a lot more about who Dylan Moore is next year, assuming that he gets, you know, 400 plate appearances in one season. Um, But Dylan Moore so far, absolute steal for Jerry DePoto. And then top of the list, uh, how about Nick Vincent? You remember what they traded Nick Vincent? What they traded to get Nick Vincent? I think it was five dollars. Literally one Abraham Lincoln. They got Nick Vincent. Again, Nick Vincent kind of falls into that Mike Leak camp. He's not sexy. He's not a great reliever. But the guy was pretty darn good for Seattle. All right, in three years. Nick Vincent appeared in 191 games, posted a 3.62 ERA, a a nine uh, sorry an 8.5 strikeout per nine, 2.1 walks per nine, a 114 sorry 115 WHIP, a 3.55 FIP. Seattle got a quality middle reliever who could who was kind of the the, you know the the guy who in the middle of the game when there was a, there was a situation, he became their go-to guy. He was a big he was a big contributor to two playoff runs, although the Mariners ultimately fell short. He was durable. He got guys out. He was safe, and the Mariners got him for like five bucks, literally five dollars, maybe even less. They might have gotten him for a dollar, and they got a quality seventh inning guy who could fill a bunch of different roles in the bullpen for you. They got him for free. That's a great move from Jerry DePoto. So those are the five. Put them in whatever order you want. There's plenty more, but the five I chose to highlight today, Nick Vincent, Austin Adams, Luis Torrens, Mike Leake, Dylan Moore. All right, so let me double-check to make sure we didn't get any more questions. It appears that we did not. No, okay. So last question comes from our good buddy Jordan at Mormon Pizza Man on Twitter. Uh, he wants me to rank my top five Taylor Swift albums. Now, Jordan, um, sorry to disappoint you, but I'm not a, a music guy. I, I don't buy albums. I don't listen to albums. Um, I certainly have artists that I like, and I have songs that I like, individual songs, but I've never purchased a full album album in my life. I never sat down and listened to an entire album in one sitting it's just not who I am Uh, now that being said I am a fan of Taylor Swift or at least I was in the past I can give you songs about or songs from Taylor Swift that I like Uh, I just I can't give you albums so 
I mean, pretty much everybody likes T-Swizzle, so it's it's not that big of a surprise. But I do have I did write down five songs. These are all on my Spotify playlist. Um, so here are my top five Taylor Swift songs, as requested by Jordan, aka Mormon Pizza Man on Twitter. All right, number five, White Horse. Number four, Love Story. Number three, Our Song. Number two, Shake It Off. And number one, I think by a mile, You Belong With Me. Those are my top five Taylor Swift songs. Uh, No major upsets, I don't think. White Horse, Love Story, Our Song, Shake It Off, You Belong With Me. There's 10 more. I really like 15. Obviously, Tim McGraw is a great song. Um, So there's plenty of other options here, but those are my top five. Uh, Taylor Swift songs in the future if you guys want to know my takes on music you better ask me about specific songs or um, you know just just don't ask me about albums uh, Ty is much more a music guy than I am uh, I don't think Ty and I have the same taste in music but he can probably give you better answers than I can on music so um, keep those in mind for the next time you send questions but uh, yeah I mean who doesn't like T-Swizzle so Top five Taylor Swift songs as requested by, well, as kind of requested by Jordan. So I think that's going to do it for me, guys. Like I said, just a quick episode here. Um, This will go up on our Patreon. This will go up on Spotify. This will go up on Anchor FM. It's going to go up on our YouTube as well. Uh, So if you guys are new here, consider becoming a patron go to control go to patron.com forward slash control the zone to become a patron you can follow us on twitter at control the zone you can follow me on twitter at cpat11 you can follow ty on twitter at dane gonzalez that's at d-a-n-e-g-n-z-l-z at dane gonzalez Visit the website, truetothetrident.com. That's where we do most of our writings. Uh, You can also visit our merch store by going to truetothetrident.com and clicking on the merch tab. We have some cool t-shirts and hoodies available for you guys. Um, We also have our charity shirt of the month. It is election season, and we got involved by making a couple of Mariners-related campaigns, uh, campaign t-shirts here. You guys can pick yours up for $24.99, I believe, is the cost. All the money raised, we don't get any profit from these shirts. All the money raised is going to rock the vote uh, so we can try to energize the younger generation of which I am a part of to register to vote and make their voices heard. Uh, It's a democracy, guys, and everybody's voice deserves to be heard. And the best way to do that is to get out and vote. So we're very proud to... uh, be donating all the proceeds from this shirt to rock the vote so make sure you guys check that out again thank you guys so much for listening to this podcast uh if you're still unsure about becoming a patron you might want to subscribe to this podcast uh on your spotify right now because this is where we'll leave some clips there's one up right now where we talk about uh george kirby versus reed detmers who would we rather have uh and that'll be something that we'll post those shorter clips from our longer episodes every time out um so that's where you can find them 
hopefully, you know, we'll be on uh, Google Podcasts and iTunes sometime soon. Uh, Anchor FM has sent our podcast to every uh, platform that I know of, and we're just waiting approval from them. So uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Again, please consider becoming a patron by going to patreon.com forward slash control the zone. Thank you guys for listening. Go Hawks. And I will see you in another life. Peace out.